morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another terrific Tuesday, friends, Torch Report 338. I will be presenting a cosmopolitan perspective, getting into why global democracy is so appealing to the astute intellectuals and the sophisticated thinkers who can't tell the difference between their ass and a hole in the ground. Ah! <laughs> uh, that, uh, that the title there, friends. Uh, I look at search engine optimization, SEO, and you know what are people searching for, and all that kind of stuff. And so there's there's some wordplay in there that is intentionally meant to be kind of a head faker or appealing to somebody that might consider themselves an astute intellectual and sophisticated thinker, uh, <laughs> and, and then lead those malleable minds into a more uh, accurate portrayal of reality. As it stands, friends, something struck me here yesterday as I was contemplating the Chinese spy balloon story linked in yesterday's report. And it, it occurred to me, you know, the global elites have proclaimed that China is a role model for the world. In dialectical terms, the thesis is that Centralized power and control allows the government to rule citizens most efficiently. Okay, you know, out of this thesis, there must arise an antithesis, which leads to the obvious question, who is the antithesis of the Chinese Communist Party? And why none other than the formerly United States of America? Of course, you know, it's us. It's good old fashioned red blooded Americans. We are the antithesis of the Chinese Communist Party. But at this point, that you know, that, that our country is bitterly divided is not by accident, it, and it should come as no surprise. All of the political subversion, the cultural corruptions, these are the hallmarks of a communist revolution. And the most insidious aspect of this communist revolution is the so-called conscious transformation, which in reality is a subconscious dialectical attack on beliefs, values, and per public perspective. Now, when I was thinking about that, like it just really sunk in for some reason, like, wait a second, you know, they say the China, the CCP, the commies are the role model and we're the antithesis. And so they're trying to synthesize these cultures and thinking about these two contrasting cultures in terms of thesis and antithesis as two opposing propositions for the way things should be. This allows us to gain insight into how the globalists intend to synthesize these diametrically opposed systems from the perspective of the global cabal. If China is the role model for us all, and that's the direction that we're headed, then America is the obstacle that must be overcome. Does that make sense? From the perspective of the global cabal, China's the role model for us all. We're headed that direction, but America is an obstacle that must be overcome in the process. It is critical to realize that there are a great many globalists who are American politicians, who are deep state bureaucrats, who are you know academic eggheads, who are useful idiots, and they believe exactly that, that America must be overcome. Keep that in mind. Whenever you see the cultural rotten the decay that's on full display each and every day, keep it in mind, there are plenty of people in positions of power within our own country who believe 
that America must be overcome. The point here, though, is that the cultural revolution we are experiencing is ultimately being orchestrated by these global forces who are hell-bent on overcoming American independence. And, of course, they are using predictable commie tactics to pull it off. And step one in every communist revolution is to win the battle of democracy. We've read it time and time again straight out of the communist manifesto. You know, democracy is mob rule. Now. Just for a second here, you know, when the communists are sitting in the communist manifesto, it says that the first step in a communist revolution is to raise the proletariat, the working class to the level of the rulers, you know, to, to win the battle of democracy. And we've talked a lot about how this you know, global battle for democracy is the first step in a global communist revolution. If you think about how they're presented, though, democracy and communism are presented as opposites, but that's not the case, okay? That's part of the dialectical deceit. It's there. So I just want to point that out. You know, it's it's really important as we ponder the implications of global democracy. You know, we have to grasp their plans here. In a global democracy, when the majority of countries vote to achieve a common goal for the greater good, say for a UN panel, you know, the International Panel for Climate Control, they say, we got to do this, you know, and everybody says, we'll vote. And then, uh, you know, 160 out of 190 countries say, yes, we should. Everybody should pay climate reparations for climate justice. And these these advanced Western civilizations need to be brought to heal and pay the poor, you know, ignorant African peasants who are suffering the plight of man-made climate crisis because of the unsustainable Western lifestyle. Therefore, the Americans need to be paying all these Africans, you know, these uh, people in third world countries, they need to be paid reparations because it's unjust in the name of climate justice. Friends, this is not far-fetched in a global democracy because when the majority of countries vote to achieve a something for the greater good, you know, then they get to write the international rules that everybody else has to play by. And these rules are then used, of course, to consolidate power and control in the hands of the global elite. This is how the global cabal works. In the words of Mr. David Rockefeller, the global cabal consists of a worldwide network of internationalists who are proudly working against the best interest of the United States, which, of course, should be a shocking admission, except for that it's not. This is exactly what we would expect, you know, given the fact that the the global cabal has told us China is the role model. America then is the antithesis. America is the obstacle. And we see the global cabal is is working against the best interest of the United States. This is reading directly from uh, David Rockefeller's 2002 memoirs. Quote, some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. Period. End quote. Friends, can you hear his words dripping with the pompous arrogance? You know, it's it's important that this secret cabal, those are his words. When I talk about the global cabal, the secret cabal, that's, I'm not making those words up. That's their words. Same with the New World Order. But these people, the secret global cabal, they're evil. 
They're not stupid. They are seeking to impose their will by force upon the whole of humanity. That's what I mean when I say evil. And they've been working for a very, very long time to build an integrated global political and economic structure through which they can control us all. This is how they institute the new world order. And the question is, friends, how do they intend to get people to go along with it? How are they going to convince the masses to accept their global tyranny? And as it turns out, uh, through my research today, I kind of stumbled onto a new term I was not familiar with. But their plan is to condition people into believing that they are global citizens, not American citizens, mind you, but global citizens, which kind of seems innocuous if you you know, just like, oh, yeah, well, we're all global citizens. We got to work together for the for, you know, global problems require or sorry. Yeah. Global problems require global solutions from global citizens and global collaboration. Remember, that's the story, the great global story. But when you really think it through, what does it mean to be a global citizen? It really starts to shine some light on on the collective hive mind. <laughs> but according to Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, the idea of developing global citizenry actually has roots in the concept of cosmopolitanism. And that's that was new to me, this cosmopolitanism. I'm familiar with the word cosmopolitan, but I it always conjured up this sophisticated, you know, snooty, whatever, you know. But cosmopolitanism as a as a a moral bedrock for the globalist philosophy on developing global citizens, I had never seen it like that. And so I'm digging into it here and I'll share with you a little quote. Global democracy is a field of academic study and political activism concerned with making the global political system more democratic. Global Democrats probe how political power can be legitimated beyond the nation state. The most common intrinsic claim relates to cosmopolitanism, which many proponents of global democracy have drawn up as the moral foundation that motivates the project for global democracy. End quote, friends, to rule over the peasants. The global elite have to legitimize their power and convince people to obey. Whether out of allegiance and fealty or out of fear and cowardice, you know, in any case, it is they have to get people to comply. Okay? They have to convince people to obey. And of course, it's far easier to convince people to accept the rules and the roles that have been established for them. That's easier than it is to beat throngs of unruly peasants into a reluctant sort of submission. Okay? Such is the value in conditioning the masses to self-identify as global citizens, which, of course, has the allure of being very sophisticated, a very cosmopolitan concept and idea. It's intellectual. No, it's not. (laughs) But that's the way it comes across. Now, ultimately, friends, this concept of cosmopolitan, you know, cosmopolitanism of global citizenry, is being systematically advanced by the so-called enlightened leaders of the global cabal. They alone, they alone know what's best for humanity. They alone have the power to save the planet. They alone can usher us into future Earth and deliver the utopian socialist fantasies that consume their every motive. It's always dripping with altruistic intent for the greater good, friends, because they alone are good. 
and they alone are moral and right, and we are just mere ignorant peasants, but thankfully, we do have a shot at redemption. If we are willing to adopt the cosmopolitan perspective, if we are willing to properly behave as good human beings, then then we will be afforded the protection and the provisions of the state. In other words, if we play along and we do what we're told, we will be considered a good global citizen or a global citizen in good standing. You know, But if we refuse to comply, then we will be held in contempt of the state and we will be punished accordingly. Now, interesting enough, the Encyclopedia Britannica explains the connection between cosmopolitanism and the global community as a thesis about identity and responsibility. And that though that's those words really struck me given that we've been studying the dialectical methods of conscious transformation that are feeling the sad demise of American values and and our and our we've been studying the responsibility to protect in the globalist R2P framework and all that and this thesis about identity and responsibility it just it's it's profound it strikes me as profound and I, I want to share a little bit about this uh, bear with the language here but this is coming straight out of the Encyclopedia Britannica quote cosmopolitanism as a thesis about identity denies that membership in a particular cultural community is necessary for an individual to flourish in the world. According to that view, belonging to a particular culture is not an essential ingredient in the formation or maintenance of one's identity. And one can pick and choose from a wide gamut of cultural expressions or reject all such expressions in favor of other non-cultural options, period, end quote. Now, that's a great passage wherein, you know, we should, you know, it would be wise to parse the language. But what we really see here is that cosmopolitan persons are conditioned to deny national identity in favor of picking and choosing their identities from a wide gamut of cultural expressions. And this, you know, such as the sickness and the perversion that's been going on, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the whole trans agenda, all so much of it, friends, all the poisoning of our culture for decades is really caught up in this here. But the, there, there's a couple of other things that stood out. I think, you know, kind of could be insight if we were to drill down on it. Specifically, one is the fact that they, you know, a person's identity is composed of certain essential ingredients. And then the second thing that stood out to me is that one's culture can be rejected in favor of non-cultural options. And I see those lines, they stand out to me and I think, well, what are these essential ingredients of, of one's identity? What are these non-cultural options? Reading further from Britannica, quote, as a thesis about responsibility, cosmopolitanism stands for the need to recognize and act on one's membership in a global community of human beings. As such, one has responsibilities to other members of the global community. As a thesis about responsibility, cosmopolitanism also guides the individual outward from local obligations 
and prevents those local obligations from crowding out the responsibilities to distant others. Cosmopolitanism highlights the responsibilities that one has to people that one does not know. Accordingly, from a cosmopolitan perspective, the borders of states merely restrict the scope of justice and are irrelevant obstacles to appreciating and acting on one's responsibilities to everyone in the global community, period, end quote. Friends, in a nutshell, one must be assimilated into the collective, assume the collective responsibility to people whom one does not know, and swear allegiance to the collective global community, whether you want to or not. Because anything less than a total allegiance and fealty to the great global cabal is selfish, Anything less than that is unsophisticated. It's irresponsible. You ignorant peasant, get in line. But friends, let's just dial this back a little bit. <laughs> let's bring this all back to home. Because, you know, you get into it, and they, you know, they got these philosophies, and they got these terms and these labels, but does this really apply? Luke, come on! Does this really apply to what's going on? Why are you not talking about Trump's arrest today? They're going to arrest Trump today. That seems really important, doesn't it? No, to me, it does not, friends, because this is the overarching thrust of the forces in motion. If we cannot wrap our heads around how they are indoctrinating and conditioning the masses to accept global citizenry in a cosmopolitan frame work, then we are screwed. So <laughs> just to bring it all back home, friends, there are uh, three articles here I'm going to link to in the report that I think collectively emphasize why all of this is very important. Okay. Number one, the Biden administration puts the state of global democracy back in the spotlight. Oh, man, Biden, he's such an inspiring leader. He's such a great guy. He's putting the state of global democracy back in the spotlight. Second article linked here, Biden's defense of global democracies is being tested by political turmoil. Did you get that, friends? You know, Biden's trying to defend global democracy, but it's being tested by political turmoil. Oh, my gosh. No doubt that has everything to do with misinformation and radical right wing extremists, all of that. And then the third uh, third link here in the report today, the Global State of Democracy Report 2022. That's coming from a U.N. organ, it, but it's it's. It's talking about forging social contracts in a time of discontent. So global democracy currently is forging social contracts in a time of discontent. And by the way, that means replacing the Constitution of the United States of America, just to be very clear on that. You see, my friends, the Biden's sock puppet administration is putting global democracy back in the spotlight because Trump was such a nasty nationalist, according to the liberals and all of those who suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. But it was Biden's stalwart defense of global democracy that's being tested now by the political turmoil associated with all the MAGA extremists and the Christian insurrectionists and the racist, homophobic, transphobic, you know, people who are threatening to take our country backwards. Those who are threatening to take our country back toward the constitutional principles that made our republic the most prosperous and wildly successful social experiment of all time. If you want to make America great again, then you are a threat to global democracy. It's just that simple, friends. Thinking of yourself as an American is an obstacle that must be overcome. 
If you are interested in voting for and supporting American interests, then you are failing to address the grotesque inequities within and between countries. We are talking about global democracy, friends. In other words, if you're not playing along here, then you're not being very cosmopolitan. Your antiquated notion of national borders and shared cultural values are irrelevant obstacles, according to the globalists. With little, with, with, with just a little more thought reform, though, friends, you are sure to see the error in your ways. But if you fail to reform your thinking, you are a threat to global democracy. And soon enough, friends, all such threats will be addressed by the global peacekeepers tasked with protecting democracy from such backwards thinking. Such is the new social contract that's being drafted up by the global cabal. Either sacrifice yourself for the greater good or you will be sacrificed in a cosmopolitan fashion. Friends, that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take time. Please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click the heart. Give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Please consider supporting this publication by joining the Patriot Club. And above all else, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this terrific Tuesday, friends, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. 